Hey everyone, it's Michael Fair from BIT here. Today I'm joined with Jen Fenwick and we're talking about mastering the art of leadership transitions. What leaders will face in the first 90 days, what types of challenges they'll come across, what are the common mistakes and how to make a great impact in those first 90 days. So listen and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode um, of Talking with Tech Leaders. Uh, today I'm joined with Jen Fenwick, career transition and leadership coach. How are you getting on, Jen? You well? Doing well, yeah, awesome. Another wintry day in Edinburgh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> still standing. Yeah, I know, totally. Uh, so thanks very much for, for joining us today, Jen. Um, so we'll just jump right into a wee intro about you then. So okay. from university to global talent director and now to career coach. How does that all come about? Oh my god! I know when you actually say that, like from university to 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 now, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm still really young. It's not been that long. But then when I start <laughs> to do this process, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm way older than I think. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so I need to try and remember back. But yes, yeah, so I am. Um, yeah, as you know, I, I'm um, Edinburgh based, but this is not a Scottish Scottish accent on the other end of the line. Um, I although actually I went to primary school in Edinburgh and then um, moved moved around the world. Went to school, uh, high school, and university in New Zealand. So a Kiwi. And uh, yeah, when, what did I do at uni? Um, HR and uh, human resource management. But actually, the reason, I guess, the rationale for that was um, growing up, I played all sports, you know, um, moving from from Scotland to New Zealand, you know, um, Kiwi kids spend all the time outdoors, you know, and we have opportunities to play just like every sport under the sun. Um, so I, you know, I played lots of netball, played cricket, played everything, played touch rugby, um, and I really fell into kind of coaching Coach my sister's netball team was, was the very first coaching gig that I had. So she might have a different sort of side to the story <laughs> as far as my my coaching <laughs> capabilities. But I uh, uh-huh. kind of fell in love with that, um, you know, how you can support people, you know, realise and reach their potential. Um, so when I went to uni, I was looking at how can I create a job from that? You know, where does that go? Um, so I did uh, yeah, HR and, and organisational psychology as well. So looking at kind of from that coaching and support perspective you know how does that kind of translate into an organizational environment and how can I support people um in I guess to to reach their potential in organizations so that was my kind of uni days um in New Zealand after that as most Kiwis did just finish uni and and, and go traveling <laughs> you know <laughs> so um moved to Australia um then moved to Scotland um, and actually when I moved over to um to Edinburgh I fell into the pharmaceutical industry so previous to that I had some really cool jobs working for like a wine company working for a biscuit company there was a bit of a theme going um and then ended up working for a company making lemsip but you know so <laughs> but um yes yeah, so moving to, to Scotland um yeah fell into the pharma industry and and actually recruitment so uh, actually had no idea really about the depth and breadth of the pharma industry and actually working in recruitment as well and I think no one no one kind of goes to uni and decides that they you know they're they're studying to be a recruiter you know like it's, it's kind of one of often one of those occupations you fall into um, but I obviously loved it you know getting to, to work with people and again looking at you know their career aspirations um, looking at supporting them um, achieve those I just absolutely love that but from my coaching perspective I always really loved you know how do we then find awesome people but then how do we ensure that we keep we retain them and we're developing mm-hmm. them and giving them kind of awesome career paths internally in organizations um mm-hmm. so the pharma industry was really great to me uh, so i had lots of opportunities to go from kind of that early days recruitment to actually um, managing sort of a european teams um, working in a global talent role um, i helped to build an, an kind of executive search business helped mm-hmm. to build an internal executive search function at top pharma company and so yeah absolutely kind of loved everything as far as kind of helping people build confidence and identify mm-hmm. their paths and transition into new roles um, so yeah so I think I think I just approached my career a bit as, as I do probably life and it's just about you know saying saying yes to new adventures and then working out the details later <laughs> so yeah oh, fantastic <laughs> I mean seeing obviously from you when you were young you know, helping coach your, your sister's netball team. That's where it all started. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you got to obviously the, 
the level of global talent director. What was it? What was it like, kind of making that change? I mean, from from a very, I'm sure, secure and stable role, mm-hmm. and then the jump to to your own company. What was that like? Oh God, yeah. You know, I mean, now I work with people to support them when they're making big transitions. You know, whether mm-hmm. that's going for the next promotion or changing roles completely. Um, but I think, you know, I, I've I've probably made every kind of mistake <laughs> there is to make. <laughs> In making transitions, and I think because I always jumped just before I felt ready, you know, so I always kind of said yes to things that were much bigger than maybe I felt confident doing. So there was always, always a period um, where I, it was really wobbly, and I had kind of a, you know, can I do this? Or the fear of, you know, what if I fail? So I guess I've kind of maybe been, you know, a little bit numbed to, to those transitions because I'd done so many kind of bold moves and survived you know mm-hmm. survived. um so actually moving to launching my own business wasn't yeah it, it, I knew I was so so excited by the prospect of doing it and I've so you know focused on the vision and and what it what it meant to have my own business that I think you know it's yep yeah, yeah I, I I actually didn't find the transition too bad because I was doing what I wanted and loved not to mm-hmm. say I didn't have sleepless nights but actually mm-hmm. just the, the vision of what I was working towards helped with that transition. Um, but mm-hmm. I think also before that, I um, in 2015, I think it was, 2014, 2015, so when I was working as that um, global talent director, um, I actually had, um, had breast cancer. All right. Um, so I think my whole world had kind of already kind of turned upside down and I'd kind of, you know, gone from someone who, who'd made those kind of bold moves and I, I'd always mm-hmm. kind of thought you know what's the worst that can happen you know I'll I'll, I'll always kind of thought you know land on my feet and mm-hmm. then that you know all of a sudden you know you're faced with your own you know mortality and the fact that you know do what you know, do I have a future what you know what does this mm-hmm. mean um and having I had about 11 months of treatment um mm-hmm. and you know, coming out of that, I, I did kind of fall into a bit of a fear, this kind of fear zone of, you know, mm-hmm. of making decisions from a bit of a place of fear. Um, yeah. But, you know, I had to kind of make this decision around, you know, how do I want to, how do I want to live my life? And I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to kind of get back to being the Jen who just, you know, mm-hmm. who said yes to things before she is ready and and just mm-hmm. back herself and, and trusted herself. And um, I actually took some time off. Um, to just think about what do I want to do? You know, I'm, you know, I've kind of been working throughout treatment, um, you know, managing my team, et cetera. But I just, I thought I've got the second chance, you know, to mm-hmm. you know, to do something bold and kind of just actually kind of reconnect with what I really want to do. And I set, took some time off and got, got actually got an A4 piece of printed paper and just thought, you know, if I could you know, create something really awesome, you know, do something really mm-hmm. cool, now what would it be um and I just I'd always wanted to do my own thing and always wanted to but I had never worked out what that thing was so I knew I wanted to start a business and be an entrepreneur but what does that even you know where what did I mm-hmm. want to do and I hadn't I mm-hmm. just you know kind of come you know come a blank so far um, but actually when I looked at if I could do one thing day in day out what would that look like and it was just coaching um you know and I thought so right so how do I build a business around that thing um, so Ben, my other half, had left. He'd left for work in the morning, um, and then that evening he came back, and I was like, "I'm going to resign. I'm going to be a coach." And he was just like, "Oh, he's like, holy shit, Jen! Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you had a good job, secure job, you know, this morning, and now you're saying you want to resign and set up your own business. Like, what happened?" Um, but it just felt so right. Um, and there was moments where I was just like, can I do this? Is this the right thing? You know, all that kind of stuff that we go through. Um, but the more I started to talk to people about what I was going to do and the more um, and more positive feedback I was getting, um, it just, you know, it just started to to build momentum. So I think when the transition happened, I was so ready um, because I'd had a three-month notice period, you know, to really make sure I had kind of my ducks in a row, you know, my my previous employer was like, yes, we'd love you to actually do some work for us. So I think by the time, you know, that big transition had come about, I kind of, I, I, I had a really good feeling. I'd already started to lay foundations and, and knew that I, I knew I would make, find a way to make it work, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. It's it's a really inspiring story. I mean, to go through that adversity as well and come out of it and kind of think, right, you know, this 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 second chance, like you said, what am I going to do? And then making that change from like the morning to close the business, it's husband walks in the door. <laughs> I think he knows that once I've put my mind to something, that's it. But I think he was like, do you want to just talk about this? You know, because I think a lot of people did they thought I was mad because, you know, after everything I'd gone through, people were like, do you not just want some stability? You know, I had a great, you know, global role with a Fortune 500 company. I built it up and we were, you know, doing awesome stuff. And, you know, and I was being, you know, tapped to move up to VP. So people were just like, why would you leave that? But I was just like, well, <laughs> because there's something even more exciting that I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I did because actually I think, and I think if my boob hadn't tried to kill me, I probably would still be stuck. You know, I don't know why I'm laughing. That sounds tough. Sorry. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> so, that's how I want, that's how I think, you know, I'm just actually, you know, thankful for that because actually now I feel like I'm kind of back on track as far as I think sometimes we can just fall into that, you know, progressing just for the sake of it or, you know, someone else tells you what you should do next. And, you know, I think, and I get this so often with a lot of clients that I work with, they're just like, I've woken up one day and I, I don't know how I got here. I feel like everyone else has kind of made my career decisions. Yeah. And, yeah. and certainly within recruitment, I mean, I think we find the, the Peter paradox quite a yeah. bit where people you know um what's next you're a senior uh-huh. consultant what's next you're now a manager of a team what's next you're now a director yeah you know and it's a uh, kind of promotion by default almost sometimes yeah but that's the thing that's, yeah. and there's so many things you can do like I think I think recruiters are so resourceful and the skills and the value that they can bring are just I think undervalued hugely undervalued so I think that you can do so much from that place um, but I think people do we can be really blinkered as far as like just that progression you know um, but actually what do you non what actually do you really what do you love what do you want to do more of what are your non-negotiables as far as your next role and then how can you shape that into something um, it doesn't necessarily have to be that career ladder you know mm-hmm. oh totally you do get you do get kind of like stuck on that path and you kind of feel like yeah. It's difficult to move to the right or left, you know, because you've yeah. kind of climbed this ladder so high as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So moving on to then coaching on on, on and on boarding. Yeah. Um, or inboarding, as you said, and moving internally. Yeah. Yes. Um. So kind of looking at onboarding then. I mean, how do you approach helping leaders in the kind of first ninety days of the new role, and why is it ninety days? Why are you kind of set it at three? Yeah, well, okay. I think even it might be useful even to kind of go back to even when I first started coaching. So when I yeah. the, the cool thing about coaching um, is that you can it, it can be used in so many different scenarios, you know, to support mm-hmm. people in so many different, you know, with so many different challenges, hurdles, you know, development, etc. But when I set up my business, that proved really difficult as far as marketing myself, you know, or mm-hmm. trying to convey the value to people um, as far as coaching. Um, so that kind of first 12 months, I really played around with it and took on different clients and did lots of different things. Um, mm-hmm. But and just gave myself permission to just, you know, just to, to go with the flow. And But I really knew that at the end of the 12 months, I'd always kind of specialized, um, you know, in my previous career. So I knew I kind of wanted to find my niche or where I could add most value. Um, and at that end of the 12 months, I kind of looked and reflected. And and there were a few groups of people that really jumped out, like, um, and actually, who, who, who were the people that were coming to me? Um, mm-hmm. And were, you know, and also aligning that with who was I loving supporting? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that jumped out to me was that I had a lot of leaders coming to me saying, Jen, I've just like interviewed internally or externally for this new leadership role. I'm really excited. I've told them I can do X, Y, Z, but I've got the job and now I'm terrified, you know, like, or, or not necessarily always yeah. terrified, but I'm also, or I'm, you know, now I'm, now I've, I've got it. I'm starting in you know a few weeks or a month or whatever. I'm also just, you know, I'm having all this, these thoughts about, you know, what, what if I can't, deliver or you know so that so and so they were a lot of leaders were coming to me um and then I was also getting the other end I was getting a lot of leaders coming to me saying um Jen you know I've been in role for maybe 
you know, 12 months, um, 18 months, and I'm so burnt out. <laughs> you know, can you help me kind of get back in the driving seat? Can you support me, you know, to, you know, to get back in kind of control of, um, of, of, of my role? And so I think the more I explored that, you know, and coming from recruitment, you know, I spent so much time with the, the talent attraction and finding awesome people, but I didn't, I didn't really thought about on board, you know, we're kind of new onboarding, you know, so you kind of induct people and welcome people in and then it kind of gets handed mm-hmm. off to whoever their leader is. But mm-hmm. I, before I explored it and I was like, why are leaders coming to me, you know, where are organisations maybe not supporting their leaders if a lot of leaders are coming to me and paying out their own pocket, you know. So mm-hmm. what could organisations be doing more of to make, you know, to, to ensure that their leaders are being supported, yeah. you know. And the more I explored, I think it kind of shocked me actually that you know people recruit awesome people or they promote awesome people internally, and then they just expect you they expect people to just crack on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you know, when people are more junior, they yeah. maybe have they maybe have a line manager who's much more hands on, you know, mm-hmm. and it's much more about supporting that person, you know, get up to speed. And there's a bit more of a sort of a, often a longer kind of support or onboarding process. But actually, as people progress, you know, it's more more pressure, more responsibility, um, you know, more visibility, um, you know, and uh, but less support. Um, and actually, even you know, I think something crazy like that: ninety percent of organisations don't actually have a robust onboarding program. They maybe do mm-hmm. reduction, um, but they don't mm-hmm. actually have a really strong program. So, yeah. um, so that's why. I kind of started to to to, to offer that, you know, and mm-hmm. and working with because I think organisations missing are missing a huge trick, you know. I mean, yeah. um, and I think we spoke earlier about you know coaching, you know, coaching originates in the sporting world, you know, and yes. if you think about you know athletes and sports people, you know, of mm-hmm. all levels, everybody has a coach, you know, mm-hmm. it was support. Everyone has a support crew to get them up to speed and make sure that they're being the best that they can be. And it doesn't mean that that person, you know, um, needs, you know, um, needs support, but actually they can accelerate their development or they can be, they can push the boundaries earlier and actually, you know, so, mm-hmm. so I think, and that's, you know, so, so, so now what I do is work with, you know, off, offer that to organisations um, and actually I also work with people, uh, leaders coming to me individually um, around that kind of first months and how can we, you know, even before day one, help them to kind of get their head in the right place, have a mm. bit of, you know, have a, have a kind of a transition plan or looking at how, the, how they're actually going to approach their first months, where mm-hmm. they need to focus so that they can lay the foundations really early um, and then actually, you know, um, transition, you know, with confidence and and ease. Because um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think if if you look at like the the thing the 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 occasions that are most stressful in people's lives, you know, we're talking about like death and family, getting married, these um, starting a job or moving house. You know, starting a job is like up, right up there as one of the most stressful things. Starting a new job. This is one of the most stressful things that you can you can do. But I just I want to change that. That's what mm-hmm. I would love to do. I would love to change that story um, mm-hmm. because I don't. It doesn't have to be um, because if you approach starting a new role, um, and there is a there is an art to navigating new roles in those first months. And if you can do that, you can do it with confidence and ease, and it can be relaxed, and you can make a big impact. Um, and it doesn't, but it doesn't have to be painful. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. if I can help yeah. change that narrative, I'll be very happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I mean, you, you see these guys like chief exec level or C-suite, and, and these guys do tend to have some form of coach, you know, from the organisation. But if you've got your kind of like, you've been promoted to the organisation to a head of role, um, you know, I don't even think they know about it. I don't even think they know that the, peop- the people above them are getting coached yeah um and, mm-hmm. and it's not ever been introduced to them i yeah. certainly didn't know i mean I, I know it goes on um but but to what level uh, i definitely i definitely didn't yeah. um i mean what, what kind of challenges do you find that people face in their first 90 days i mean is it kind of overcoming their own not their own fear but a kind of their own what if this happens what if this goes wrong you know because that, that's the kind of human condition 
Yes. Is to worry about something mm-hmm. and then try and answer every single problem before you even start the start any problem. You know, there's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and this is the thing is it is it transitions are are complex, you know, like mm-hmm. and, and actually the more senior you become, the more complex it does it, it, it often it, it, it often is. But I think if you you know, if you were about to start a new role, if you just sat down and wrote on a piece of paper all all the things that are going to be new in your new role and just re- listed them down, you probably fill an A4 page. Actually, it might be that there's a it's a new organization. So it's a new culture, there's new people, there's new systems, there's new processes. It's maybe, you know, a new a step up in your role. So there's new learning, there's um, you know, so there's all the if you wrote all the things that are going to be new in your next role, you know, and, and so I think that's I think people un and maybe aren't underestimate, you know, all the newness, and that's actually then leads to, you know, to to maybe the overwhelm. But mm-hmm. but you, you hit the nail on the head when we go through periods of uh, of growth and change. Um, all our deep rooted fears, like natural human fears, come to the surface. You know, it's the fear of the unknown. You know, the fear mm-hmm. of being judged. You know. Am I going to deliver? Am I going to be successful on this? And so it all comes to the surface. And it's you're never going to fully be able to quieten that, but it's just almost being aware of that and that's normal going through a period of change. But there are things that you can do to quieten that voice and that's often about just starting to build a bit of a plan. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I'd call myself a prepper. Yeah. So for that, from that fear or from like, I mean, you've pretty much seen the email yesterday ahead of our podcast. I mean, but it's, it's making sure that I don't drop the ball or making sure that I'm not missing anything or making silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think that fear drives me to make sure that I'm fully prepped. But then you get people, so maybe say like I'm a thinker or a prepper, mm-hmm. then you'll get people who are more feel, yeah. um, cry kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what do you see in leadership roles predominantly? Do you find people are or a complete 50-50 split? Are people more feel? Are they thinkers? Are they preppers? A mixture of all. And again, that's it. You know, I think regardless of what you are, you'll there's going to be things that you, you might be someone who, you know, is quite confident going into mm-hmm. your new role because you are, you do focus on this particular area, but is, are you, um, do you still have blind spots or you might mm-hmm. be someone who just wings it, but then actually could benefit from doing some planning. You know, so it's, a, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I so get it. You can oh, pull them up in different areas. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And that's why I think it's it's really useful. Um, and actually, I think, again, you mentioned something just um, just previously about, you know, a lot of executives, top executives get coaches. It's almost like a given now. But actually, I think we're missing, organisations are missing a massive trick because by that point, and I've seen it before, often you do get leaders who've maybe formed, you know, biases or bad habits or you know, I can spot I can spot leaders in organisations who haven't identified and closed learning gaps, or um, because you know you can spot them when they get to senior level, you know, being the you know defensive or that kind of bully leader, you know, mm-hmm. because you can see how if they if leaders at a really early level, even for moving into a first time leader role, mm-hmm. if they can get coaching and support right from those early and every time they have a big transition make sure that they're kind of getting coaching and support um to take them to that next level and i mean the benefits are just you know huge because yeah. you know? i get a lot of first-time leaders who say you know i'm moving into first-time leadership role and um, i'm just being told to crack on but they're just mm-hmm. like overwhelmed and they're like oh god i don't know where to start you know i don't know who i am as a leader often they become so focused on on themselves um, and trying to feel more confident in themselves that they forget about all the people around them. And and I think that when leaders move into new leadership roles, if they can focus more time on the people around them and, and then closing their own personal learning gaps as well, then actually the, the transition will be much smoother and they'll feel mm-hmm. more confident. But I think the earlier you can support people, the faster they're going to get up to speed, the more confident they're going to feel, the more positive impact they're going to have on the people around them. And actually, by the time they get into senior leadership roles, they're transitioning. It's going to be much smoother, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, completely. Uh, I think that's such a good phrase you said there, who am I as a leader? Yeah. Because people will kind of then try and define themselves. And we talked about all the 
coaches uh, that have popped up on LinkedIn. Yeah. We've talked about all the, uh, I mean, there's so many books out there as well, and it's a big oh. industry. Yeah. And people are trying to read all this information and, and take all this theoretical stuff in mm-hmm. to maybe build themselves. Yeah, um, it's actually seeing who they are rather than absolutely you know, being the Simon Sinek or what you know, what either yeah. last or something like that. You know, yeah. um, so. and I think part of a massive part of the pressure on leaders these days is I think you know we now work in a you know, heavily virtual world. Um, you know, um, it, we there's so much pressure coming at us from mm-hmm. all you know all sides as well, and you know, and and that's people are looking at oh this is. That people got a perception of what a great leader is, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, and but actually, leaders come in all sorts of forms, and you know, you don't have to be, you know, that kind of really heavily extroverted um, leader of old to be a successful, you know, leader. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually, you know, I I kind of sit on introverted, extroverted, you mm-hmm. know, but um, you know, and so I think it's that looking. Yeah, actually, I think we spoke about before that um, I get a lot of leaders coming to me or in, in our early conversations working with them. And so they say, I've read all the leadership role. I've read all the leadership books, mm-hmm. but I'm still feeling stuck. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I don't know mm-hmm. how to tackle this or I don't know what to do with my team. And I think it's because they're looking for at the answers in books. Mm-hmm. But actually what I love to do and actually what I get to do as a as a coach is actually to bring out the answers from within them you know and uh, yeah. and I think this is one thing that people really get stuck with when I first say you know who you know who are you as a leader you know who mm-hmm. do you want to be how do you want mm-hmm. others to see you as a leader and actually mm-hmm. what is expected of you as a leader at this level and mm-hmm. just asking some of those those early questions it's yeah. uh, it it changes everything you know mm-hmm. um um, because, uh, you know, um, and getting them to feel confident in who they are and who they want to be as a leader. Uh, because mm-hmm. actually a lot of when things go a bit squiff um, is often when people are trying to be someone else, trying to be, you know, trying to be the leader they think they should be or they think is expected of them or um, rather than just getting comfortable in, in, in their own style, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that was so uh, good uh, advice. I think many people think that they need to be the extrovert, they need to be the loudest one in the room, yeah. they need to be the one that comes up with ideas the quickest, you know, that's direct and, and, yeah. and being that kind of old school uh, yeah. leader. Like, it makes me think of like wealth management or like, you know, yeah. or financial services, you know, with the pinstripe suit and stuff and you're kind of like, you know, it's the movies as well, I'm sure, don't help anyone. Yeah, I, I um, know, I know. Yeah, we had we had the IT director of uh, of Arm uh, UK on last uh, last month, mm-hmm. and he was talking about you know a piece of advice for people, and it's 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 um, at leadership level roles, and it was not it was about being quiet in a meeting and mm-hmm. not you know actually listening to people who aren't the loudest. Yeah. So pe- just because people are kind of getting their point across doesn't mean it's right, and yeah. if someone's not participating, maybe is because they're more introvert and maybe trying to catch them. Yeah. somewhere else outside the meeting like you know what are your thoughts on that and try to kind of pull that out absolutely you know? yeah and actually it's really interesting again you know I think when when leaders start new roles mm-hmm. it's something that we often if they're not feeling confident they'll get straight cracked into straight away doing the doing you know mm-hmm. and wanting to show and demonstrate their value and their worth so they'll get cracked on on that taking action but actually it's so important for them to take that step back and, you know, ask questions and listen and observe and make the time to do that really early because um, that sets them up, you know, and actually it's, you know, I think the more you can ask questions and do that, actually it shows, you know, it really engages people in you and builds trust and, and it gives mm-hmm. you the insights to then move forward. But I think absolutely being a great a strong listener is is definitely in kind of an an, an undervalued um mm-hmm. type of leaders yeah i'm sure there's a story this could be fabrication i'll say it was <laughs> but there's a large financial services company recently that hired a new uh chief uh exec or senior leader i think they just sat in meetings for the first like six to 12 weeks and didn't say much and i yeah. think it was on the 12th week they went promoted promoted fired promoted <laughs> and I think it was kind of calling out like it's it's the paradox as well people have been in roles for a long time you know are you adding value at the moment or is this role not for you know and it's kind of like if you listen and actually take what people are saying 
you can start mm-hmm. trying to map out who's going to support you going forward and who's not, you know. Absolutely. And um, I, you know, if you think in organisations, you know, leaders are sitting on a gold mine of insights and information, you know. So you know, if you're starting a new leadership role, you know, actually, you know, to, to help with your own on, onboarding or transition or, you know, is just actually to watch and listen and see how things are going. Yeah. And you know, and the culture, the politics, the you know, the different people, and to, I think doing that early on, just you know, because knowledge, that knowledge is absolute power. And then you know, one of one of the so I work for GSK, which is a really well-known big pharma company. And I remember mm-hmm. one of our global heads. Um, he said he would do for the first three months. He did. He would yeah. He would observe, listen, get to know people, kind of get to know them on a human side. Mm-hmm. And then, but he wouldn't take any action for for at least three months, and he wouldn't make any big big decisions um, for six months now because he just wanted to really make sure. And I mean, it's not not always the you know not always able to do that in organisations because mm-hmm. sometimes you do need to come in and you know and make yeah. decisions faster. But that was his approach: is just taking taking that time early. Um, and I don't know if you've got anyone listening who's maybe moving internally. I'd say this is where maybe some internal promotions um, derail is that often when leaders move internally, mm-hmm. they may be still doing part of their old job. They're mm-hmm. still doing some of their new job and they they maybe feel the pressure and the expectation of hitting the ground running and delivering straight away on whatever. But actually, if, I think if you approach often there's a need to approach it as if you're maybe joining the organisation for the first time and, t- again, taking that time early to, again, gather insights, to to learn, to observe, um, to, you know, mm-hmm. because I think yeah, that I see that all the time with internal moves is that um, they don't take that early time that you would do if you started mm-hmm. an organisation for the first time. Yeah, which is really important. I think people that maybe have been in, working within a team and then they've moved into a development manager role for us example or they've moved yeah. into a head of role mm-hmm. they kind of almost need to don't have to change and become the person that's having any friends in the company and doesn't talk yeah. to anyone mm-hmm. but there is a kind of take a step think about how you should be approaching things absolutely you know, maybe how you're how you're working with people going forward how you can absolutely. help them and try to re-establish some of the connections absolutely. not massively yeah but, yeah that's what, I, and I, that's what I love doing I, so I work with you know I still work heavily with kind of pharma biotech tech companies and so a lot of the organizations I work with are growing quite rapidly so you mm-hmm. find a lot of people moving internally and being promoted quite quickly and often mm-hmm. one of the things that I hear a lot is I used to be colleagues and sit at the desk and go to the pub with this person all the yes. time and now I'm their manager you know how do I navigate that and and sometimes and so often it's a bigger issue in in our own minds than actually what are we going to what are you going to do about it and how do you set up and again it's kind of setting up those ways of working and really early with your team is so critical mm-hmm. but um yeah, yeah I hear that a lot and it, and it doesn't mean you can't ever go to the pub with them again no <laughs> oh, I know and uh, people I often yeah. hear that. people say oh gosh now I can't you know, I can't be the one to, you know, sit and have a drink with my team because, you know, and but it's just like, yeah. again, you know, we, we have, we tell ourselves these stories, don't we? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we need to see, you know, it, it, where's where's that coming from and sort of change, change those beliefs. Yeah, totally. But in our dialogue, we're telling ourselves, yeah. 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 You'll, now, you'll now sit in a room um, as a hermit. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my, my mentor and one of the best bosses I've ever had, you know, she was probably mm-hmm. the last one on the dance floor, but, you know, it, she was an incredible leader and, uh, yeah, she just loved to have a dance. Awesome. How have things kind of changed for, for people in leadership roles? And obviously your coaching's went to, to kind of, you know, Teams or Zoom or whatever. Yeah. Um, but how have people kind of adapted? Has it been very challenging for leaders that you're coaching? Have they adapted quite quickly? Like what are some of the challenges that they've kind of faced? Well, I think, look, I think uh, I think everyone's getting a bit overwhelmed, you know, de- you know, depending on where you are geographically. But I know here in the UK, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of clients out in the US and in, mm-hmm. in, in Europe, you know, people in general are feeling pretty, you know, tired and overwhelmed. Uh, and I think then leaders, you've got a team of people who are maybe trying to do their day job plus homeschooling or you know mm-hmm. or maybe they've got you know people on your team who live alone and are feeling you know burnt out and or you know you've mm-hmm. as a leader you're taking on you know all of that stuff and wanting to support your team 
a lot of my clients, it's about getting them to look at work and life and how that's working and what's realistic and show themselves that kind of same understanding and self-compassion that they show to the people around them. Do you find the leaders that you're working with, you know, because you get this sometimes, you know, lead, lead from the front, you know, energy guys, let's go, you know, let's kind of drive it. Yeah. Are you finding you've got leaders like that or you find, you know, I'm very much of, of the point of like, like I'm the same guys, you know, yeah. I know this is, this is tough. I went to run today. If that, if that helps anyone get out a walk at lunch, go away for your desk just now if you want to, Yeah. you know, just trying to give more flexibility. Yeah. It's challenging. I think you get a bit of, um, you know, a, a bit of everything, but I think where people, you know, being really open and honest, you know, with your team, mm-hmm. you know, being really open. And I think actually we've we've seen more and more actually the power of vulnerability as a leader, you know, actually, you know, yeah. showing, showing your vulnerabilities, um, it, you know, it doesn't, it's not a sign of weakness, actually. It bit, uh, I mean, the studies show it actually builds trust, you know, and actually, you know, if I think about my team, you know, when I was poorly, you know, and actually being really open and honest with my, with my team about where I was maybe needing some support from them or struggling. And actually, you know, we, we, we were such a tight group, you know, and actually it's amazing how people around you kind of step up and support each other. And actually it can be really, um, really awesome. But sometimes it is sometimes a little bit difficult for some leaders, especially if they have that story or that image of what a leader should be doing to actually put their hand up and say, do you know what, actually I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a bit as well. Um, but I think this is, again, why it's so important that, you know, for leaders who have, you know, who are going, who have got challenges ahead, who've got big change coming, or you know, there's, yeah, the, they, they may be changing roles themselves, is to ma- always make sure that they've got a good support crew around them, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, and and actually use that, leverage it. Mm-hmm. I've heard this before in terms of kind of exec level, you've got your board, right? Yeah. But that's kind of like your business board. And yeah. I've heard the kind of phrase used before about having your own internal board. Yeah. So within the organisation or even out with the organisation, and that could be people yeah. in, that you kind of, you know, so I've had people in senior roles um, at companies that approach me like, I'm thinking of doing this. Yeah. You know, outside, not to do with BIT, but just as a kind of friend and stuff, and, and, and but being that support to them and kind of talking it through with them. Yeah. Is that important for leaders, you think, to have their own internal Oh my goodness! Or that can bounce off it, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's about framing it. Is I think a lot of leaders say to me, "Oh, I, you know, I don't want for people to think I need support." But mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's a strategic move. You know, if you can if you can leverage the relationships and people around you, you know, to get from A to B faster or to help you solve something or to get your head in the right space. I mean, that's a strategic move from my perspective, and that's good mm-hmm. leadership. You know, often they'll say to me that. That hour with you, a week or fortnight, is just like pure gold because mm-hmm. you know that whatever's going on at home and life and things can be busy and overwhelming. That they jump on the call with me, and it's that head strategic headspace to reflect on what's going well. You know, look at where the pain points are, the challenges, and and you know, get that clarity on how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Laser focus on what they need to do. Things are often much simpler when you share it. You know, we're now working virtually. So many people are working virtually. So the the um the boundaries between work and life have blurred. Um, and I put something on LinkedIn the other day about you know um if you were previously travelling to the office and back, you know your commute time, how are you using that now? You are working from home, and the number one response was, I'm just now using that commute time to do more work. It's just blurring. Um, mm-hmm. So people have, you know, and I hear a lot of people are saying to me, oh, you know, I feel really overwhelmed. <laughs> but actually they just continue with that feeling of overwhelm and stress, but they actually haven't taken the time to even pinpoint what's causing that. Because mm-hmm. you know, for me, I'm always like, well, what are we going to do about it? Where's it coming from? What are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And often it's simple fixes or adjustments mm-hmm. or setting boundaries. But I think people can just say that just, oh, I'm just overwhelmed. But actually, where's it coming from? And you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're finding that a lot more at the moment because there's that blur of boundaries working from home. And you don't have colleagues. You know, you know sometimes you could go and get coffee. Um, and you bump into someone and you'd have a chat and you'd maybe say, you'd maybe offload a wee bit and say, look, actually, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed today. And they'd be like, hey, you know, so by the time you went back to your desk, you'd actually just feel mm-hmm. a bit better. People don't necessarily have that as mm-hmm. much. Um, but, you know. I mean, I, th- I think as well, like there's a bit of, 
the news doesn't help me definitely oh my goodness it's turning it off you know but you're totally right people have been overproductive i'm sure a lot of companies have absolutely loved it you know the work they're putting in but there is that um i mean i was audiobooks on the train um on my way to work in the office and i really enjoyed it so it is like you know trying to set that routine and like the running and stuff you know i mean we've seen the videos and yeah putting some structure to it yeah and i think we do i think um Again, you know, so when I'm working with leaders, I'm, I always get them to look at the blocking time in their diary for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. not just for the health and well-being side of things, but for just for downloading and thinking time and to be looking at, you know, how they're feeling and what they could do to be feeling better and, mm-hmm. and look, you know, and we also talk about, you know, when are you at your best? You're like, when are you feeling at your best? And mm-hmm. And getting them to make sure that they're creating that, environment as much as possible you know because it's you know I've, I've never had someone say I'm at my best when I work from 7 a.m to 7 p.m without a break and I sit in my pajamas you know so yeah. I think it's really important for people now regardless of level if you you know if you're working from home is to be just thinking yeah when am I feeling at my best and how do I want work and life to be working and then mm-hmm. do those things you know and yeah. have the confidence to do those things and are uh, all the leaders wearing slippers just now? Everyone you're speaking to? <laughs> oh, honestly, do you know what? I actually quite like the fact that, you know, seeing the that human element more, I like that aspect of things. So I've not necessarily seen any crazy wild um, slippers as of yet. <laughs> I've got mine on now. Oh, they're good. Big fluffy ones, no? Yeah, big fluffy ones. No judgment. I think, I think you're, uh, you're totally right with the, the rapport building. I mean, I think a lot of, maybe seasoned like business development people maybe had slight fear that they couldn't go networking at events. Um, you know, that there's so much now videos on LinkedIn, you know, the market and stuff that's going out there. It's kind of it's kind of flipped. Um but I've built stronger relationships over the last year mm-hmm. um doing video calls yeah. into someone's house, seeing their tropical fish, their kids walk past, <laughs> who's their dog. Yeah. Um, you know, you're literally learning so much. And then when you see them, I think there's the meetings are longer. I mean, at first I was putting half an hour in, and now your client meetings are an hour because because you're doing. I don't know if it's in Sweden if it's true, but you do your kind of fifteen minutes of chit chat before you talk any business. That's happening on every call. You're just like, you know, talking through how their day goes, what they're up to just now, how they're finding things. Like I think you're really kind of sharing quite a bit of energy with people just now. Yeah. You know. Because what what are we all craving? And at the moment, it's human human connection, isn't it? You know, and it's um. And, you know, sometimes it's not realistic to be able to do that constantly, but it is that, like, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I, think it is, I think it is so important that we are connecting with each other to just see, you know, how how are you doing, <laughs> you know? Like, I think for you as well, you know, in your industry, you know, actually and what why you're successful is probably because you actually do care. Um, and I think that's definitely, it's nice being nice to actually get to see that more human side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely getting the, uh, the kind of rapport building. And just the, people with their guard down more, you know, so they're kind of open to chatting about more stuff. Yeah. They're getting so much more out of it both ways. Yeah. Um, you mentioned burnout as well. Are you finding it's quite prevalent just now? Are you having to, are you, I mean, sorry, are you identifying it in people you're speaking to? Can you see it coming? Do you know what? Burnout has been a massive issue for a long time. <laughs> you know, I mean, actually, burnout was even first coined back in the 70s by you know, an American psychologist um, observing it in healthcare professionals. So burnout's been around for like ages. It's something that we talk about a lot more now. It's much more kind of visible. It's, it is a whole new ball game now, especially because people are working virtually. So, you know, previously, you know, if you're in an office, you can see, you can observe, but actually so often people are good at jumping on a Zoom call and putting on this persona or this face and now, you know, people having time in their own heads <laughs> and not having the boundaries is a massive problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what's the advice I give to my leaders? I think I think it's just exploring how they're feeling right now. And if they say they feel it, hopefully they're not. If we've been working together from early on, we've hopefully set up things in a way that they shouldn't be feeling. I get that. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. given the fact that we're still we've returned into kind of lockdown, and a lot of my leaders are homeschooling whilst trying to you know mm-hmm. lead teams, etc. You know, it's a given that we kind of have a this roller coaster. So I think it's about actually looking at what's achievable, what's realistic. You know, looking at how work and life can be working together, um, and just also cutting themselves some slack. Um, and, and I mentioned as well. Um, 
about people, um, I suppose, sharing ener- as much energy as you can to help people mm-hmm. and people offloading. Um, mm-hmm. And my own energy, I think I talked about, you know, like uh, I'm very optimistic, class half full, but some you get some days as well, like I don't want to go that run, you know, and, and, and it always helps. Mm-hmm. How are you though? I mean, are you laminated? Because you, you're speaking to all these leaders, they, you know, they're, they're obviously not that they're offloading, you're kind of trying to pull out to them and you're pulling out yeah. the venom and you're kind of trying to get them refreshed. Yeah, yeah. How do you do How do you deal with that yourself? Oh, I mean, yeah. day in, day out. Yeah, and that's, I'm like you. I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I'm for the most part, a really positive person, you know, and I've got good energy levels, but absolutely, you know, if I think even since returning since the, the festive break, um, I you know, I'm taking on a lot of all the stuff, you know. I've, I mean, I've got leaders work, who are coming up against all sorts of different crazy challenges right now, you know. So so I can't, I'm, the reason I'm good at what I'm, I do is because I feel and I take on what other people, but actually, you know, I, I have to be really aware of how that impacts me because I also have to have energy. I've got you know, 10-month-old twins, you know, my mom. Congratulations. You know, yeah. um, you know I'm, a, I'm a friend, I'm a partner, you know, I also need to make sure I've got the energy to, to give to other people. But So I think mm-hmm. I need to build in time for rest um, and to do the things that give give me joy and give me energy. Because um, that rest piece, this is something that people don't do, is actually, you because know, I think we feel guilty if we have some time at just actually, you know, resting. If we've got lots of stuff going on, you know, but actually if I think from a sporting world, the people who are performing at their best and they are sustaining high performance, they have time for rest, like days for rest, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like you, I, I do get a real buzz from exercising. So a lot of the times mm-hmm. my spare time, I'll be like, I should go for a run or do some yoga or do something. But I also need to check in and be like, make sure I have time just to rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Oh, totally, yeah, because it's so important. Yeah, you know, and I think we have to take that responsibility for ourselves. And you, you might be someone who has a really great manager or leader or partner who spots that in you, but you, you know, we have to know in ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I've learned the hard way because I burnt out in my in a corporate gig because I I didn't have boundaries and I just thought I could just do everything, you know. And then I'd, I'd finish work and then play like you know, three games of netball or touch rugby. And then I, you know, I, I probably rested when I passed out and slept and, mm-hmm. you know, and then I get up and travel for work and mm-hmm. things and, and you just can't sustain that, you know, no. so, but no one else, you know, like organizations and jobs will take as much from you and, you know, not, not in, a, in an evil way, but they, you know, they will take as much as you're prepared to give. So you need to be mm-hmm. really quite clear on your own boundaries, you know. Mm-hmm. That's really important. That point you're saying there. Not maybe people pleasing, but I mean, if you've got time for this, can you come do this? Like, it's okay to say no, it's your time. Yeah. And I think, again, this is something when I work with leaders moving into new leadership roles is, again, looking at how they, you know, protect time. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, they, they're going to be, you know, pulled in different directions. But how do they set things up early in a way where they've got, they've got strong boundaries to have the mm-hmm. time and energy for themselves and you know, looking at health and well-being early as well, so that so that we're setting them up really well, and they're not going to burn out because they're actually, you know, they're achieving awesome stuff, but actually not by mm-hmm. giving everything. Oh, completely. Finishing up, then, would you say you had maybe like top three tips for leaders in the first ninety days? Something we can give give away on this? Okay, because uh, do you know what? This is this is my problem. Is you probably identified? I've got too much. Too many different scenarios, too much. You've too got much. loads of really good stuff in there. I mean, time management's obviously one of them. You're talking about, you know, how much time they're giving away, they're managing their diaries. Just because someone asks for an hour doesn't mean you have to give it to them. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say, I think if you're just about to start a new leadership role, um, you know, first mm-hmm. of all, is just to um, get comfortable with the discomfort, you know. So mm-hmm. often people are feeling overwhelmed or a bit uncomfortable. Um, but that's just how it is. You know, you're doing something bold and new and exciting. You're going to, it's just a given. You're going to feel a bit uncomfortable at the start. So just relax rather than fighting that. Because I think that that's that internal piece, you know, the overthinking and the, you know, but just just go with it. Just go with the flow. Um, yeah. I would definitely say in the first three months, focus on people, focus on relationships, you know, and I think, again, in a virtual world, you know, um, you may not have as many people that you're bumping into in the office where, that you're meeting. So you maybe have to be more proactive on mapping out 
you know, who are the key people, the key stakeholders, um, and maybe being proactive and reaching out to them if they're not doing doing that as well. So, you know, asking, you know, who are the key people you need to meet um, and doing that really early, um, setting up those really strong and um, trusting relationships and ways of working. So that's really, really important. Um, I'd also say get really clear, like, get clarity around your role and responsibilities. And this sounds, you, you, you might think that well, should be a given, but it's not how mm-hmm. time and time again I hear people who've started roles and they say, actually, I'm not really that clear, you know, from the interview to now. And, you know, there's maybe, you know, there's maybe some um, some question marks around, you know, my the scope of my role, my responsibilities, maybe the expectations. Um, so get clarity or as much clarity as you can around that early as well um, because then you can more focused um i'd say again something that uh, leaders often forget is to close identify and close learning gaps early mm-hmm. um again sometimes you know we we get, we get in and we want to roll our sleeves up and get stuck in and deliver and show that you know we were the right choice for the job and this is the value mm-hmm. we can bring but actually forget to actually spend time early identifying maybe what's new, where our learning gaps are, and close it because that's going to boost your confidence um, straight up. Um, and then make a plan, like make a bit of a loose transition plan as far as how you're going to approach things because, again, that's going to help with the, the internal monologue because um, if you know you've got a bit of a plan on how you're going to approach things, then all the other stuff, the noise, um, can fall by the wayside. So that's more than three, but hopefully. hopefully no, that's awesome. No, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, amazing. We've just done we've done that. Meanwhile, the, the twins haven't made a noise. This is perfect. Well, everyone, that was our latest talking with tech leaders with Jen Fenwick. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did recording it. Stay tuned for next episodes following later in the month and have a great week. Thanks. <laughs>